Greetings this morning in that precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the one that gave his life that you and I could go free, that we don't have to love the world. We have, a, we have another option. We don't, yeah, there's not, uh, I know sometimes you, yeah, we need to just stop and think really what is our, as Kevin was sharing, being the first Sunday of the new year, what really is our, what's our attraction? What are we addicted to or what are we pulled to? What, what, what draws us? What Something makes each one of us move. What is that? What, 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 what gets you going? What, what stirs you? And I guess this morning, yeah, as I was thinking about what to share, and I, I should have maybe, I was kind of battling between a couple of different things, which, which direction I should go. Uh, probably would have been appropriate to share something about the new year, but I've decided to try a... Uh, or through the, through the Lord's prompting, I should say, and it's been, I mentioned it in my last message, for those of you that were here, but that sometime I would like to speak on Jesus' commandments. Um, if you open your Bible to John 14, we're going to read what, what, what Jesus says there, and basically what I, what I have in mind, or what I, unless God chooses otherwise, I'm always open to, I, I had started this once with Isaiah, and I, I never did get very far in that. Uh, adventure or that uh, endeavor, so to speak. But my goal is that what I would like to do is, here in John 14, it talks about, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And this would be the beginning, I guess, of, as I started going through this, uh, his, through the Gospels, the four Gospels and Jesus' teaching, what is, what is these commandments? He says, if you love me, keep them. So I guess, yeah, if you want to give the message, a title will be the commandments or the teachings of Jesus. More geared toward the commandments and the teachings because the teachings are never ending. There's, uh, there's, there's a bunch in there. I could go on for two years probably on, on every third Sunday and never get done because there's just every, every little sect has something you can pull from it and go. Uh, and, and I'll probably maybe sometimes, some, some of these I miss. I don't know, there's maybe some things I miss in here, but I guess as I was thinking about in the Sunday school lesson as we were studying that and, and we're talking about, you know, they, they, it says there that they were doubting Paul whether he was ordained of God or ordained of men or there was this big, big gadoo or a, 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 an argument about who he was. And I guess that's my challenge for you this morning. And I, I'm sure Gary, Sean, and Rick would echo the same words. I preach this word I, and, I, and I share this with you this is not all you do. You just take this home and you kind of uh, chew on that all week and don't ever look into anything. I challenge you that whatever I share with you, that you would go and you would verify it for yourself. Uh, so we, we're in a society, it seems like, it's pretty easy to you click on a link and you listen to a message and you just kind of, well, that's pretty, that's good stuff. I need to chew on that. That's good. It's all good, but let's make sure that we're that what you're hearing is truth. I guess you know, one of the questions was, how do, we, how do we discern what truth is? And I think it's simply going in the Word, reading for yourself, and is it of God or is it not of God? Is it truth or is it not truth? Just because I say it doesn't verify it as truth. And I think in, in the culture that we live in, we're pretty, we're pretty quick on that. Well, oh, if that guy's Amish or Mennonite, he must have, it's the right thing. We just automatically, we apply it. I think we need to be careful with that, just as careful as we do as, if somebody comes from Washington, we need, to, we need to check. We need to verify what we're saying 
or what you hear is it God's word? Is it don't don't just apply it to your life and run with it. Uh, and you know, then again, maybe there's some things like I said. I'm probably going to miss a few of these as I go through. But my goal is to try to take uh, at least today. I have four, and maybe there's one subject of baptism that I would like to spend the entire day on. And I shared a little bit about that the last Sunday because I don't feel like we're I don't feel like we're quite giving that due honor, maybe doing it exactly like it should be done, not the way Jesus intended for it when he when he gave the commandment. Uh, not saying it's wrong in itself, but I think it's something, and that's for another day. Today, let's look at, I want to read John 14 from 15 to 25. This gives us kind of the context of where I want to come from, why I'm going to do what I want to do. And it says, Jesus says in John 15, or 14, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I, that's, that's straightforward, easy. If I would ask you this morning, like, I thought about just going around the room. Like, what is Jesus' commandments? Does anybody, can somebody name them all? Just if just somebody random, does anybody know what they are? Does somebody want to give a few of them out? Love one another? Yep. What else? Yep. Yep. Okay. Anybody else? Go ahead, Evan. That's all right. Anybody else want to give one? I don't know how you find it when you think about what, when you read this here, it says, Jesus says, this is his own word, if you love me, keep my commandments. I can name off them one that was named this morning. Them are, them are quick. We, we got them. We, Ten commandments, we know what they are. We, we know what them are. Jesus said, you shall keep them. But I think there's some others in there that, I don't know, we just kind of, I don't know if we quite know what they are. If he says, if you love me, keep my commandments, don't you think we should know what, we're supposed, what his commandments are so we can keep them? We probably need to be refreshed and just actually go in here and that's kind of my goal is, let's just go in these Gospels and let's see what Jesus actually commands. And let's try to do them because he said that if you love me, you're going to do them. And we all, that's, we all want to do what Jesus said. I think that's our, that's our goal is to, to be obedient to him. Because, yeah, that's like Dennis shared in Sunday school. He came to save us. He died on the cross for our sins. And then he added on the back, if we're obedient to him. I think that's, the, that's just as much the key as if we commit our life to him. Those have equal value. You can commit your life to him, but if you don't live for him past that, I don't know if there's really any avail. I don't think Jesus can be happy with you. I'm not sure. I don't know where that's all at, if he saves you at that point or not. But I think he has a desire that once you change your life and you live for him, and he saves you, that you live for him. That, that's, that's what he expects from us. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father he, he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit here, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth in you, with you and shall be in you. And I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world seeth him no, no more, and the world seeth me no more. 
but ye see me because I live, and you shall also, and you shall live also. At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, you in me, and I in you. That's a combination of we're all together. We have Jesus, we have God, and if God has Jesus, he has us if we have him. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas said unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? And Jesus answered, he said unto him, If a man love me, and he will keep my words, and my father will love him, and will and will we will come unto him and make our abode with him. And he that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. And now I'm going to go, go into some of these. And, it, and I, I guess as, I, as you look at that scripture, just from 15 to 25, I think he says it three times. The one time he says my words, but it's my commandments. He says, if you love me, you're going to keep them. So I think if he says it three times in one, one chapter... In 10 verses, it's probably pretty important. I think he has a desire that we know what they are and we keep them. And probably most of us have done well in keeping his commandments, the ones that we named off this morning. Those are, those are very prevalent. Those are the ones we, we drill on and we live on. And I'm not saying that maybe, we, maybe we've done all of them. I don't know, but I, I guess my desire is let's go see. Let's go look. Let's see what we've done and see how we've fared. How are we doing? Because... He doesn't say just, you know, get the top five and the six or take those two in, in Matthew 18 or 22, wherever it's at, where he says, love the Lord thy God with all the heart, all the soul, and all the mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. He doesn't say just take them two and then, you know, you do them and the rest of them are okay. He says, keep my commandments, what I say. So, yeah, as I was thinking about, I got a chronological, that's a big word, too big for me. What it means is the Bible that, my wife's just losing it over there. Uh, what it means, it's a Bible that, and, and I don't know how accurate it is, but they try to put things in order how it happened in biblical, like, you know, some of the Gospels, just because you read John, maybe John 1, there might be some things in John, John 3 that actually might be in Matthew 2. It's not just because they're, they're kind of offset. So the chronological Bible does have, supposedly has them in order. So what it went, I just started at the beginning in Jesus' ministry. And I went through there, and like I said, I, I might miss some, I probably will. And, and, and my goal was to find what does he command? What does he say, thou shalt do? Do this, keep these, that, that, kind of a, that kind of a language. That's what I'm looking for. And, and what I found, I guess, is the first one I'll look at is in Mark 1. You can turn to Mark 1, 16 through 20. Mark 1. This, this one is follow me. Follow me. Jesus says this 18 times in the Gospels. In the four Gospels, he says it 18 times. Five times in Matthew, three times in Mark, three times in Luke, and seven times in John. Follow me. And I, I think when he says that, he means it. It's, not, it's, it's a commandment. Mark 1, verse 16 through 20. We're going to read it. It says, Now, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, this was after his baptism, this was after he had been tempted of, of Satan, and this was kind of the beginning of his ministry. 
Now, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, talking about Jesus, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. And there were fishers, and Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets, and they followed him. And when he had gone a little further, thence he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship bending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with their hired servants, and they went after them. And, and you, can find this, you can find this account, I think, in John. Uh, and there might be another one. I didn't look that up. But there, there's more than one gospel that records this, this particular account. But I, I guess the thing that, that caught my attention here, and I think, again, we need to understand, this is a little something I didn't realize until I was in Israel, but in, in this setting that Jesus has grew up in here, I think he was in a rabbinic setting. Like they had rabbis and then their disciples would, would be the people that followed the rabbi. He, and, and the goal of a disciple was to become a leader themselves, to become a rabbi, to become like the rabbi. And the, 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 the teaching that Vernon had given us on this, we were, we were at the, the mountain where you could see where David had fought Goliath, and this was an uphill battle as we were going up, up to the top of this mountain to see, we were going to see this valley. And as we were going up, it was just rocks, pretty straight up. And we got to this one rock, and, it, and you had to climb up. The only way you could climb up, the first person had to go around. The only way, he said, I want all of you guys to go right up through here. He gave us a, a specific place to, to go up. And the only way to get up there was to give your, have somebody help you. You had to give your hand to the other guy. So he goes up first, and he, he said, I want you to do exactly what I do. He said, when a rabbi, when a disciple followed somebody or when they were lit when they when they yeah when they were following the rabbi they did exactly what the rabbi did you didn't do something different you done what he done because and i think when you look at the context i'm not sure where it's found but where paul says follow me as i follow christ it's through those eyes that paul is trying to bring that out because paul was following christ the way that that he knew that the disciples followed the rabbi you do the exact same thing that i did but anyway, Vernon gets on top and he reaches down and he gets, uh, Paul Miller was the first guy in line and he gives him, he says, okay, give me your hand, Paul. So he pulls him up and, and, and he goes on. And Paul just turns around and he grabs the next guy's hand, pulls him up. And the next guy, and he went on. But Paul reaches down and gets the other guy. And he kept doing this until the very end. Like he's the only, he keeps doing, helping the next guy up. Well, at the end, Vernon stopped. He said, hang on, this is not right. In the rabbinic world, in the, in, in the time when Jesus would have lived, and he was just bringing a point out that you follow the, the, the person, and it's a, it's a chain reaction. Paul shall not stop there and help everybody up. That's not, that's not, you, you help that person, the next person turns around, he helps the next person, and, and it's so on and so forth. You keep going in line. You follow the leader. You do exactly how the person does in front of you. And I think that's what, keep in mind that thought as Jesus tells us to follow him. And I think that's simply, or he tells these people and he gets command to us. We need to look at his teaching. We need to look at how he lived, what he done. And do the, do the same things. Don't do something different because, well, it doesn't really fit here. Or it's not part of this culture or it's not the way we do things. And I think that's what, you know, here are these people when they, when they left their boats, they went to, 
They even in those days, I think the rabbi, you, you lived with that person. Like you were, you become part of them. Everything they did, you did. So Jesus says here that he says, come after me and I will make you to become fishers of men. And I don't know if the disciples, they probably didn't understand what he was saying exactly. But that, that gives you an understanding to follow him. And I think he's still calling each one of us today. That's one of the commands he gives us, to follow him. What does that look like? And I think I, I tried to lay that out, and that's simply knowing what Jesus did, and we need to do the exact same thing. That's our, that needs to be our goal in life, to live what he done. And that's, you know, he tells us, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I want to move on to the second one. John 3, verses 1 to 21. This is a very familiar one. This, these these the four that I have today, or at least three of them, we're very familiar with and probably not going to spend a lot of time on them because we, I think we do well at them. John 3, verses 1 to 21. And the ironic thing about this, this one is you must be born again. The ironic thing about this, if you look it up, and I never had thought about it or didn't give it any thought, but I always read it in John 3. That's always where you read it. Well, I went to look, and that's actually the only place that you can find that Jesus ever talks about being born again. It's not recorded in Matthew. It's not recorded in Mark. It's not recorded in Luke. Only in John. And, and the next one is, uh, the next one, as I want to just bring this in as I'm talking about that. I, I said you can only find you must be born again in John. Well, the next one is repent, and that word is actually repent or repentance is not found in John. It's found in the other three Gospels, but you cannot find that in John. Or I couldn't. Maybe somebody else can. I don't know. I, I looked through the Strong's, and they, they, doesn't, they don't show a reference of it anywhere in the book of John. So why that's like that, I don't know. I kind of found that a little bit ironic. That you must be born again is only in John, and repent or repentance is not in John. Anywhere. It's in the other three books, but it's not in John. So for, that is for what it's worth. I don't, I don't know. It's just kind of, it was an interesting thing to look at for me. John 3. We'll start in verse 1, and we'll read down to, one, to verse 21. This is a very familiar story. We all know it. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night, and he said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. And rabbi simply means teacher. In the, in the Jewish world, that's, that's what they are. They're someone that they teach you to become like they are. That's, that's what their job is as a rabbi. We know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou dost. And they had seen him heal people and different things that were going on, and that's what Nicodemus was after here. Except God be with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old, and can he enter into his mother's womb the second time? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto, you, unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, You must, ye must be born again. And there's the command, ye must be born again. That, 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 that's the thing I'm looking for. When Jesus says you must be born again, there's no... There's no ifs, wins, buts about that. That, that is, it's yes, that, that's just the way it is. The wind bloweth where it lists, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but thou canst not tell whence it comes. Whether it goest, and so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. 
And Nicodemus, he answered, he said unto him, How can these, how can this, these things be? Jesus answered, he said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and you receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that come down from heaven, even the Son of Man, that which is in heaven. And Moses, he lifted up the serpent, in the wilderness, even so, the Son of Man must be lifted up. And that, that, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light is come into the world. And men loveth darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh the light lest that his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrong in God. And I think uh, I got another little, I don't know if I got a better picture of born again I wouldn't say a better picture but it was like as I was studying this thing of being born again I never had thought about it but when you do it in in depth study he talks about it here and uh, except a man be born of water and of the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of God and that which is born of flesh is flesh that which is born of spirit is spirit and Nicodemus was just he, he was boggling his mind he could not figure this out and I think simply the reason he couldn't figure it out is just because we read it back in uh, John 14 where I read the first part. He says that the world doesn't have that. And I think once we are born again, and I don't know, you know, sometimes some people say they have this specific date when they were born again, and they know exactly when it happened. And maybe some of us, we're not sure. Maybe it's been a, it was kind of a gradual, a gradual thing. But I think there is a certain point in time, whether we know it or we don't know it, that's, not, that's beside the point, it doesn't matter. But I think there's, just as a baby is born, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't sit there being half born for two years. Or most of them don't. I don't know if any of them have. But that, that's, we, it doesn't happen. When a, when, when a child, when, when a mother gives birth to a child, it's born and it, it goes from being a baby inside of a mother to a child living, something that's outside. And I think that's exactly what happens when we are truly born again, when you... When you receive the new birth, there's a, you was flesh, and then you're born into the spirit, and all of a sudden you, you see things that you didn't see, and Jesus, he tells, he tells him this very thing. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe it if I tell you heavenly things? You can't. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the word of God for what it is, for what Jesus meant it to be spiritually. There's no man that, can, that is not born again. He's not going to see it the same as you and I that are born again. There, there's a difference. There's, there's a doling of the eyes, and that is only from God. God does that. God makes that happen, and that's his intent. And that's why he says you must be born again. There has to be a, there has to be a, a, a difference. And the next one goes, in, goes with this. It's repent. Go to Matthew 4, verses 18 to 22. We're going to look at repent. That's, that, was, that was another. As I thought about Jesus' commandments, I always thought, well, that's his first commandment. That was the beginning of his ministry. 
But actually, his first commandment was when he found his disciples, he told them to follow me. That was, that was the first one. And, and according to the, the chronological Bible, that born again would actually become second in line. That was, the repent was actually after that. Now, whether that's how it is, it doesn't matter. But as I was uh, mentioning there how this, you know, you become born again, it says here in verse, it's in Matthew 4, verse 18, starting in verse 18. I think I'm going to start in 17, actually. From that time, Jesus began to preach to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, and the two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting that into the sea. And this, here we go again. This is this, this account that I just read about follow me. And he says that I have will make you fishers of men. And they straightway they left their nets and they followed him. And going on from thence he saw the other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John the brother, in a ship and Zebedee's father mending their nets and he called them. And they immediately left their ship and their, their father and they followed him. And going back to this thing of repent, and I, maybe I should make a few more comments on on these, these people as they followed him, and it didn't really give that in, in Mark. But it says that they immediately left their ship and their, fa and their father, and they followed him. And I think they're again going back to that rabbinic setting. It's not, there wasn't an option that I'll, I'll go be with you today, but tomorrow I've got to go back fishing. I can be with you on Friday and Saturday, but and Sunday maybe, but Monday, Tuesday, I've got to be, it was, that's not an option. If you was going to follow a, a, a rabbi, you committed. You was there. You was in there. You was with him. You stayed with him. You followed him. You did that. And I think that's a good example for us in our Christian walk of life. We can't just, okay, I'm going to come. I'll follow you today on Sunday. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm going to be pretty busy. I'm not sure if I'm going to have time to, to really invest in you and follow you, Jesus. But when it comes back Thursday, I'm going to be back. I'll, I'll be back and I'll be following you. That's not acceptable. That's unacceptable to Jesus' eyes. It wasn't acceptable in the rabbinic world, and it's still not acceptable today. If we're going to follow him, we have to follow him. But I want to make a short intervention in that, and I think it talks about it in the gospel. It says, and, and if, we, if we happen to fail in that, there's times when we don't do what we should do. We can always go back to the verse. We have an advocate with the Father that we can go. Lord, I'm sorry. I messed up. I didn't follow you today, and I, and I know that's that's what you call it. That's what that's a, that's the commitment I made, and that's the calling that you've given me. But I, I didn't do that. We have an advocate with the Father that we can ask for forgiveness, and it's just like if we go to Him and ask for that, it's like nothing ever happens. That sin has been forgiven. That that has been taken away. Repent. What does repentance mean? I think it's we all know what it means, and it's not a very nothing hard to explain. It's a change of mind for the better. Heartily amend your ways and change your direction. Repentance is not found in the book of John. I already talked about that earlier. It's, not, it's, it's found in all the other three Gospels, but it's not found in the book of John. But when we repent, we change our mind for a better heartily, and we amend our ways, and we, we, we um, ask for forgiveness for our past sins. And I, I don't know how you find it, but I think this thing of repentance sometimes in the maybe in the circles that we grew up in, or I don't, I'm going to be careful how I say this, but I know you all know what I'm talking about. Make your stuff right in church. You get up there in the pot spunk, and you, we're going to, we're going to, you know, you did this, this, and that, and you need to stand up, and you need to make a confession. You need to repent. Is that true repentance? Is that, is that actually 
when they got to come back there and they call you out and they bring you up here and they tell you you need to repent. It's not true repentance. That's only saying sorry for until I get caught again. Repentance means there's, there's, there's something that comes and then and when you're born again, when, when that born again thing happens and you come from dead not knowing light to alive knowing light living in the spirit, there's a complete different conception of things. There's a complete different things. You know, all of a sudden when you do wrong, if you're, if you're in this side over here and you're born of the spirit, you're born again, Lights come on. You, you, you automatically feel condemned. You automatically, that's wrong. I need, to, I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to repent. I need to go back. And sometimes it takes a, a series of things to make that happen. Maybe, maybe sometimes we, we do fall away and we get a little bit lax and, and, and God has to work on us more than just in one thing. But the way that it's supposed to work and I think the way that it should work and Jesus had intended it to work, when we become born again, when, there's a, when you become this new life, Immediately when you, when you feel condemned, when, when you feel like um, I did something wrong, you repent, you turn around, I'm sorry, I ask for forgiveness for that. And, you, and you, then you don't, you don't mingle over there, you go back and you go the other way. You do something different. And too many times I think in, in our settings maybe that there's not true repentance, there's only, there's only I'm sorry until I get caught again. And I think that's, it, it leads back to the thing of not being born again. I, I, I'm I just feel like that's what it is. Because when you're truly born again and you have a desire to live for God, there's nothing more that you have an intention to do than live for Jesus Christ if you're truly born again. When that spirit is within you, there's no de- you have no desire to do wrong. Yes, we, we, we do. We do wrong. Occasionally it happens. But there, then there's a quick coming back. There's a quick coming to our advocate that we have. But when, if we have this struggle within us that we try to hide things, we try to get by with just so we don't get caught, I question the idea if we're actually born again. Because the true born again person, a person that is actually has born of the spirit and born of, 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 of the water, his, his total desire, his utmost, his goal in life is to live for God. His goal in life is John 14, obey Jesus' commandments. And when you, when you live to that, that, that's what you want to do continuously, even though you fall short, and you, you, you may fall short, but there's not that thing of, I've got to come back here and pull you up. And bring, yes, sometimes we need to be reminded of brothers. But when, when they have to come and, and ask and, and, and bring, bring you to here to, for you to make repentance or to, for you to repent of a sin, I would question that you're actually born again because there's something you're trying to hide. There's something that you can't bring forth. Like it's, there ought to not be a forced repentance. When you repent of something, that it's, it's, it's a gift. It's something that you do free. It's freely. It's something that you give on your own. I need to close this. Uh, I got one more that I want to look at. And this is actually in John 2. John 2, verse 16. So the first, it was follow me, be born again, and repent. And this one here was actually a commandment that Jesus gave. And I, I think there's not, I might be, I might be wrong on this, but I think I'm, I think I'm okay, right? Uh, this is how I see it. Maybe I see it wrong, but this is the way I see it. Uh, when Jesus gave this commandment, John 2, I'm not, I'm not over here yet. 
start talking before I get to where I want to be. John 2, he tells, this was in the, in the setting where, uh, I'm going to, it's, it's in verse 16, but I'm going to read from 12 down to 17 just to give us a context of what's going on here. After this, he went down to Capernaum, and he and his mother and his brethren and his disciples, and they continued there not many days, and the Jews' Passover was at hand. And Jesus, he went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those that sold oxen, sheep, doves, and changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, made himself a whip, what he did, and he went, he drove them out of the temple, and the sheep and the oxen poured out the changers' money, he overthrew the tables, he said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, and make not my father's house a house of merchandise. The commandment I take from that, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. Now this is something I'm going to say, and it may be a little sketchy. Maybe some of you disagree with me. It's okay if you do. That's fine. We can talk about it, and we'll try to work through it. But I think first thing that comes to my mind is, okay, if I'm selling doves, well, there's absolutely no merchandise on this, in this little room because this is, is this the house, God's house. Well, it is what we call it, and I'm not against that. That's okay. But when me and you and all of us go home, when we all walk out of here, is, this still, is God still dwelling here? I don't think he is. God dwells in here. He's, with, he's within each one of our hearts. When we all leave this building, I don't think God is dwelling here. Yes, he's still around, but he's not dwelling. This is not his. See, it's a different setting. What Jesus was giving here was actually the temple, the literal temple. This was before Jesus died. This was before he was the ultimate sacrifice. I mean, he already was, but he wasn't killed yet. So there wasn't the ultimate sacrifice. The ultimate sacrifice wasn't given. So God literally was in the temple. That was, that was where God was. That was like our heart. So I think we need to, it's still a commandment, and I think the reason it's a commandment is because where does God live now? He lives here, right? If we're born again, he lives here. So I think there we apply it like this. Make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And I think if you go over to Paul's teaching, and I got them wrote down here, you can look them up. 1 Corinthians 3.16, 1 Corinthians 6.19, and 2 Corinthians 6.16. 1 Corinthians 3.16, 1 Corinthians 6.19, 2 Corinthians 6.16. Paul makes it very clear that our body is the temple of God. So I think it still applies. This, this commandment still applies. So I think what he's simply saying, and Jesus talks, he goes on and tells them here, he says his disciples, uh, yeah, in, in verse 19, did I read? I didn't read it on down. And his disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house has eaten me up. Then answered the Jews, and they said unto him, What sign showeth thou us unto us, saying that thou doest these things? Jesus answered unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will rise it back up. Or I will rise it up. And he's simply talking about his body. He's talking about the, the body that, that he's living. So I think for you and I, it is still a commandment that we don't let merchandise. That's another whole subject for another whole day. But I think you understand, if you read these scriptures that I give you and you study them a little bit, you understand what I'm talking about. And I trust you do already. This is a temple where God lives. We need to take care of this thing. This needs to be, this is also a sacred. It's a, it's a thing made of God, this body that we live in. It's a, it's a temple where God dwells. Just as the temple was where Jesus went in and he cleaned all, 
all the trash out because this is supposed to be a holy place. This is where God dwelled in Jesus' time. You went into the holy place and then you went on to the end of the holy of holies. That's where he was. It was in the, the Ark of the Covenant. That, that, that room was God. That's where he dwelled. That's what the temple was. But when, when, when that curtain was rent between the holy of holies and, and, and the holy place, like the first room and in the second room, when that was rent through, that's now open for everybody. God now moved out of that house and he moved into these houses. He moved into each one of our houses. He doesn't, before that, he didn't live in people's hearts. But the spirit was not alive. The spirit was not there. It didn't come till afterwards. And I think when Jesus was referring to this, the, the, the commandment still stands. But it's not in a literal building. It's not in a literal house of God. It's in a literal, it's in our house. It's, it's in this heart. And we need to make sure that we keep it clean. And again, I, that's, that's the way I understand it. And I, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I, I will, I'll try to see it another way. But that's, that's, how I, that's how I view that commandment. But yeah, I don't have much more than that to add. Hopefully, I'm not exactly sure on which ones I will do next. But I, my, my goal is, um, for the, when it's my turn to preach, that we would continue to work through and find out what these commandments are. And then, yeah, how, how am I doing with them? How are you doing with them? Are we obeying Jesus' commandments? Have we fallen short? And, and I, I, like I said, I'd like to take a little time on the baptism one because I think we have fallen short a little bit on that one, of doing it the way he wants us to do it. Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Kind Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, Lord. Thank you for the many blessings that you bestowed upon us. And Lord, thank you so much for your word that you give to us. Thank you for allowing us to read that, to study that. And as you work in our hearts and as we have a desire, Lord, to follow you and we have a desire to keep your commandments, I pray that you would impress on each one of our hearts what those are. And Lord, help us as we journey through life that we will continue to keep that zeal and that, that passion to obey you and to be obedient to everything that you teach us, Lord. We know that you have, you, you tell us that if we love you, that we will keep your commandments. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would just see our hearts and our desire to do that this morning. And I, I pray for each person here this morning that maybe if somebody's struggling with something in those areas, I just pray that you would just touch them in a special way, that you would just forgive them where they ever failed. And Lord, help us all just to realize that you are God and that you love us and that you, that you tell us that your commandments are not grievous and they're not hard. Lord, help us just to have a heart of compassion and a heart of desire that we would follow you. And Lord, this morning, I just pray that you would just, uh, yeah, as we think of things creeping in from the world around us to try to distract us from that, I pray that you would guard each one of our hearts from that. Help us to continue to keep our focus on you as we go through life. Help us not to never... Let our guard down for, for things of, of Satan to enter in. That you would just help us to study your word and to know it in all its purity and, and to live that. And Lord, this morning I just pray for the sick, the hurting, the lost ones. Pray for each one that could not be here this morning. We think of our government. I just pray for them. And Lord, maybe there's some traveling today. I pray that they could take maybe possibly traveling home. I pray for them. And Lord, maybe there's others. We just lift each one up to your throne of grace. We again thank you so much for dying on the cross and for giving that gift of eternal life that you've given to us. And that ultimate sacrifice, how you died and you rose again, that we can have eternal life. We love you. We praise you. We again just commit our lives into your hands. It's in Jesus' name we pray.